Hello and welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast. This is a bit of a one-off podcast. Uh, As some of you may know, I lost my studio. I was doing very regular podcasts. Long story, but my studio engineers completely disappeared off the face of the earth. And uh, so I'm no longer doing podcasts at my same studio. I'm here today trying out a new studio and to try it out, I thought I'd do one podcast. So there isn't going to be another one coming anytime very soon. So make the most of this one. And uh, because it's a one-off, I wanted to do a podcast that's really close to my heart, something that's really incredibly important to me as the mother of a son who is 10 and who is starting to game. Um, online grooming, dangers of social media, dangers of gaming. Uh, They're really, really relevant to my life and to a lot of your lives, uh, whether you're parents or working with children and young people. So I have invited Breck Foundation uh, to come onto this podcast to educate you all about the issues around online harms for young people. I'm joined by Sarah Smith, What's your role at Breck Foundation? Um, hi, I'm uh, the Head of Education and Partnerships at Breck Foundation. And I'm with Mark Harrington, who is... I'm a trustee for the Breck Foundation and uh, create the resources that we're going to talk about a bit later on. So I guess probably a little trigger warning uh, on this one. I mean, the reason why I contacted Breck Foundation was um, I watched... Uh, a docu- would you call it a documentary? It's the one on the BBC where murder they've games. Done yeah. murder yeah. games, yeah. where they've done it in kind of cartoon style. So I watched that, and that is the story of of what happened to Brett, which Sarah is going to tell us about. But it is a really upsetting story that does involve the murder of a, of a teenager, Brett Bednar, um, who was murdered after being groomed online. So we're not going to go into too much detail. We're not going to be graphic or explicit, but we are going to talk about the harms that young people may face. We are going to talk about what happened to Breck, uh, but with a view to hopefully preventing that from happening to other children and young people. So, so brace yourselves for that. Take breaks if you need to. But here we go. So, so... I think it's really important to start off with, with Breck's story. Yeah. So um, the foundation was set up in uh, 2014. Um, Breck's mum, Lauren, uh, initially decided that we would set up the foundation um, very, very soon after Breck died um, because she felt such a powerful urge that something good should come out of what happened to him. And what happened to him is a story that could happen to anyone um, anyone's child at all. Um, Breck, there was nothing special or different about Breck. He was um, he was a smart boy. He was a, an A-stream student. Um, he loved all the usual things that, that people's children love. So he loved gaming. He loved the tech side of gaming. So he loved taking computers apart and putting them back together again. Um, he loved camping. He loved construction stuff. So when he was a little boy, he loved Lego. That was his big passion. And um, he had a group of friends around him at school who shared the same interests. So they would play Lego and then they started gaming. They started with the sort of the, the obvious ones. Minecraft, I think, was a big passion quite early on. And they would game with each other and that was fine. And then as um, as Breck got older and he moved on to secondary school, um, he, was, he was at a different secondary school to start with. And then he moved back to, uh, he moved to a different, another secondary school um, 
And in that secondary school were his original friends that he had game sort of play with Lego with and so on. And he was really pleased to meet up with them again. And they started um, playing online, playing games online. And after they'd been playing for some time, um, and, and Brett was really excited to be back with these friends because it had taken him a while to settle back into the school. And um, one of Brett's friends came to him and said um, that they'd found this uh, brilliant server. So a game that was hosted on a server, really fast game. It was it was Battlefield 3. It was, I think, Battlefield's still out now. I think it's Battlefield 2048 now or yeah, something. Yeah, still going. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... They said, this server's brilliant. It's really fast. There's no rules. Nobody gets kicked off. You should come and play with us. And the server's run by this guy called Lewis. He's really cool. You'll like him too. So Breck started to play on this particular server and he started to um, to get to know Lewis. And Lewis uh, introduced himself to the boys as 17-year-old, uh, originally from Essex, he told them that he was uh, essentially a computer genius. And I think it's quite important to, to sort of clarify right from the beginning that, that Lewis did have some quite impressive skills. He was uh, very skilled at coding and programming and encryption. And because Breck and his friends had these similar interests, there was a connection right from the beginning. So there was this shared interest um, and Lewis could show the boys tips and techniques, uh, hacks, things they didn't know about. So they were hooked quite quickly to this person who was a bit older than them because they were 13, 14 years old at the time. Um, he was a bit older than them. He had that street savvy. He knew, seemed to know a lot about the world. And he told them that he had been picked up by a big American tech company. So he originally lived in Essex, but now he lived in New York, was living this pretty epic lifestyle, um, working for a, as a consultant for a big tech company because of this blend of skills that he had. Um, and he told them also he'd set up his own business, that he had made more than £2 million trading in Bitcoin. So, um, you know, 2014, everyone thought they might get rich through Bitcoin. Uh, Lewis said that he'd done it and he was very convincing. He told them these stories as they were gaming. So they would all use their uh, webcams. Uh, apart from Lewis, he, he used the voice chat. He never used the webcam. Um and they would all sit around chatting, lots of banter as they were playing the games. And these bits of information about Lewis's life would be gradually dropped into the conversation. So he didn't sit down with a big long list of things that he'd done. It was much more subtle and nuanced than that. And this conversation and these chats carried on over several months. And he also dropped in that he'd recently started doing some undercover work with the FBI, uh, working on cybercrime. And again, that was the reason he said he couldn't put his webcam on. He couldn't show his face. He had to keep a low profile. And um, this gaming continued. And then after a couple of months, Breck's friends started to notice something. And they noticed that whenever they all got together and to game, um, Lewis would focus his attention much more on Breck than he would on the rest of them. So he would say things like, oh, Breck, could you just pop into the private chat? I just want to talk to you about the server or about server maintenance. It wouldn't interest the other guys. So he would find a way to isolate Breck, to bring Breck into the private chat area and to leave the other guys outside. And because this kept happening with various different excuses, it started to create a twofold uh, effect. So the first effect was that Breck felt special. He felt connected with Lewis. He felt like Lewis could see something in him that he didn't see in the other guys. Um, he felt that Lewis was, I mean, Lewis was 
flattering him, complimenting him, telling him how gifted he was, that he had a great future as a programmer. Um, and Breck was really flourishing in that relationship. But the other boys, not so much. So they essentially started to feel left out, um, uh, excluded. Uh, what's wrong with us? Why can't we go in the private chat? So they gradually started to drop away from the gaming sessions that they'd all been having together. And they even stopped hanging out so much with Breck in real life because they were fed up with him. They felt that it was unfair that he was always the special one, that he was always the one who got the attention from Lewis. And some of them were a little suspicious of Lewis. They'd already started to think this guy seems a bit too good to be true. Um, and they started to drop away from the gaming group. And they started to drop away in real life. They didn't hang out at school because Brett, he didn't want to go and kick a football after school. He didn't want to hang out in the park. He just wanted to go home and get online with Lewis. And Lauren had noticed this, Breck's mum. So right from the beginning, Lauren had um, had come across Lewis through Breck just talking about him. And she was her radar was immediately off the scale because the things that Lewis was saying just seemed far too good to be true. They just seemed unbelievable. And um, she tackled Breck about this straight away. She said, come on. Um, she, t she tells a story of how she was in the kitchen one day. This is how she first came across Lewis. She was in the kitchen one day making dinner and she could overhear Breck and his friends gaming um, through the speakers in, in Breck's bedroom. And she suddenly heard a voice that was much deeper that she didn't recognise. And so she went running upstairs and she said, Breck, who's this, who's this man that you're gaming with? I thought you were just gaming with the guys from school. Oh, mum, that's not a man. That's Lewis. He's 17. He runs a server. Mum, Lewis is really cool. He's, he's a genius at computers. He's a consultant for a big American tech company. He lives this, in this fancy apartment. He's got two million pounds worth of Bitcoin. He works for the FBI. I mean, you can imagine as a parent with that list rolling out immediately, Lauren was like, what? And said, come on, Breck. First of all, he doesn't sound 17. Listen to his voice. He sounds older. Um, but even if he is 17, how can you believe that he's done all of those things? How can you possibly think that at 17 you could have achieved all of that? But <laughs> Breck was 14. He didn't want to listen to what his mum was saying, but he didn't want his mum telling him who he could be friends with online. He didn't want his mum interfering. He thought she was paranoid. He thought she just didn't really understand the digital world that he was living in and he felt that he could make his own decisions about who to trust online that he was skilled enough at, at sussing out someone who wasn't telling the truth so he chose um not to listen to her and lauren um asked to meet lewis she asked to speak to lewis and extraordinarily lewis was very happy to talk to her and so there were a series of exchanges over the months where Lu lauren tried to catch lewis out um, she tried to ask questions that she felt would make him trip up and she would be able to show Breck, look, this guy's not who he says he is. Um, and so she would say things like, OK, Lewis, so um, you're in New York. It must be about midday in New York because it's about 6 p.m. here. How come you're online playing games with 13 and 14 year old boys? Why aren't you at work? And Lewis would always have a very slick answer. He would always have something to say. So he'd say, oh, I am at work, you know, but I just, it's a, it's a bit of a lull at the moment, a bit of a quiet moment. So I've just logged on to see who's around. And he had a way of doing that in front of the boys so that it sort of established him as the kind of cool, slick, yeah, everything's fine. And Lauren as the paranoid mum, the worried mum, the mum who keeps interfering. And he 
changed the way that he related to her over the months as well. So when Breck would say something like, oh, my mum's coming, he would put little bluebirds flying across the screen and they would have a little cute song or whatever. And then as the months went on, it changed. So instead of little bluebirds, it was the Wicked Witch of the West flying across the screen. And he would start to say things to Breck like, look, Breck, um, Breck would say maybe, uh, oh, mum's calling, it's dinner time. And Lewis would say, well, you don't have to go to dinner just because your mum tells you. You're old enough to decide when you're hungry. And you can see the power of that statement. It's really a statement that would make anyone think, yeah, yeah, I can decide for myself. I'm, I'm old enough. I can decide. So very gradually turning the tables against Lauren, turning Breck away from his mum. He'd already pushed away the friends um, who had dropped away from the gaming group. And this is very typical in, in uh, grooming situations where the groomer wants to be that sole influencer of the young person and they find all sorts of ways to gradually turn that young person away from their systems of support, from their family, from their friends. And this is what was happening um, in Breck's case. Lauren became more and more agitated by it. She reached out to family and friends. She talked to teachers at Breck's school. Um, and she couldn't get anywhere. There was a lot of misconceptions around about grooming, about who could be groomed, even whether boys could be groomed. Uh, it, it, it felt like it was a girl thing, like only girls could be groomed. And she she couldn't get anywhere. And she eventually ended up at the police. And she said to the police, look, I'm terrified that my son is being groomed by someone uh, who he's met online. And the police response was, oh, that's easy. All you've got to do is take away the tech take away his phone, take away his computer, boom, job done. And okay, it was 2014, but it's still in the, in the presentations that I do at schools where I tell Breck's story to young people. I always stop at this point and I say, okay, is that going to work? Taking away the tech, is that a way to keep a person safe online? And from ages sort of nine upwards, they all look at me and go, well, of course not. Of course it's not going to work because they can see quite clearly, first of all, there's so many devices around us in the world that there's nothing to stop Breck from borrowing someone else's device, using a device in a public space like a library, using a device at school to get back in contact with the groomer. Um, but also, you know, we we log into things. You don't need to have one specific device. You're, everything's held in the cloud. You can go from anywhere um, to log into whatever platform it is you've been talking to someone. So it was a very odd response from the police. It showed a misunderstanding of the situation. and But nevertheless, Lauren didn't know what else to do at that point. So she went home. She told Breck, this is what I'm going to do. The police have told me I need to take away all of your tech. She said it would be for a, a, a sort of trial period of time. Um, and she said, um, more than that, I'm going to um, tell all of your friends' parents to do the same thing so that this whole gaming circle is going to have the connection with Lewis broken. Um, and you won't be able to connect with him anymore. And hopefully this will cure you of your obsession with Lewis and uh, we can all move on. So Breck, of course, was very unhappy at this news, um, as you would be. A 14-year-old boy whose biggest passion here is being online. This connection with a friend he sees more as a mentor or as an older brother. And his mum, in his mind, is trying to ruin that. She wants to take it all away. So the anger and frustration that he was feeling was at a peak here. He was very much turned against his mum at this point. And again, this is a grooming technique, you know, to, to make you feel that you only have one direction to go and that's towards your groomer. And Breck, um, immediately, before his mum could even take the tech away, he was connecting with Lewis on the phone to Lewis. Lewis, my mum's gone mad. 
She says, you're dangerous. She says, you're grooming me. She says, she's going to take away all of my tech and I'm not going to be able to hang out anymore. I don't know what to do. And Lewis, of course, had had a clear picture all the way along that Lauren was suspicious of him from the way that she questioned him and tried to catch him out. But now it was very clear to him that uh, Lauren was sort of ramping up um, her efforts to keep Breck safe. Um, And so he not only um, managed to persuade Breck to take along a a tiny MP3 recorder to the meeting that Lauren had said she was going to have with the parents of Breck's friends, so which Breck did willingly, uh, to record that meeting, send the sound file to Lewis so that he could hear everything that was being said about him. But he also then sent Breck a secret phone. So the two of them then had a way to communicate with each other, even though Lauren had taken away the tech. Um, that connection was strengthened. You can imagine Breck's reaction on receiving a package from Lewis, opening it up. Wow, brand new iPhone. Amazing. My brilliant friend Lewis has found a brilliant way around my annoying, interfering mum. Here it is. I've got this phone. And at that point, Breck's behaviour went back to how it used to be. Lauren always talks about how she, at this point, believed that everything was solved. She felt relieved. She felt, okay, I've taken away the tech. He's behaving how he always used to. He is being helpful around the house. He's not. He, he had gone through a phase of being very defiant, of saying things like, Lewis says that I don't need to clear up after dinner because it's the triplets that make the mess. That's Breck's siblings. They should do it. Saying things that were very, Lewis said this, Lewis said that, all of that stopped. He didn't mention Lewis anymore. He simply became old Breck in Lauren's eyes. Um, And the reason was, of course, that now he was actively engaged in the deception. So he had a way to contact Lewis. He wanted his mum to not know what was going on. And it was at this point that um, there was a a scheduled school trip to Spain, two weeks in Spain. And uh, Lauren thought, this is the perfect moment. He'll go off, he'll have a great time, new culture, new friends. He won't have a device. He won't be bothered about Lewis. And this will be like the the line drawn under it all when he comes back. So um, off he went to Spain. And that was actually the last time that Lauren ever saw Breck alive. So in the two weeks in Spain... Um, Lewis realised that Breck was moving away from him, that Breck was in a new sort of situation. He was sending pictures to Lewis of of girls that were posting pictures on social media of girls that he'd met. And Lewis started to bombard Breck with messages. Breck, what are you doing? Breck, what's happening? Breck, why don't you answer me? Breck, you need to get back to me. Breck, I need you to answer your phone. Important things are going on. I need you to communicate with me. And he told Breck that um, he was ill very, very ill. And that, in fact, he said he had a terminal diagnosis. He said he was coming back from the States. He was going to be at his holiday home in Essex. All Breck needed to do was to come and meet him because he had something really important for Breck. He said, I can't run my company anymore, the £2 million Bitcoin company. I need to hand that company over to someone who's got the tech skills to run it for me. And there's only one person I know who can do that, Breck, and that's you. So all you've got to do is come and meet me at my flat. I'll give you all the information and you get this company. You can run it how you want. I know you'll do a brilliant job with it. Come and meet me. So again, at this point, as a parent listening to this, you will just be horrified at the idea that this grooming, this had been going on for a year now, that you could lead to this point and that Brett could still not suss that this was, there were so many red flags along the way. 
But the thing is, and this is what I always say to the young people that I'm talking to, it's very different sitting out looking at it in from where we are now. For Breck, this was a great moment to meet his great friend. He didn't make a differentiation between someone he'd met online, someone he'd met offline, because that just wasn't natural to him. You know, he was a digital native. He he felt that Lewis was a brilliant friend. He felt like he knew and could trust Lewis. And that was because a year of grooming had convinced him of that. And so he knew, of course, that his mum and dad wouldn't let him go and meet Lewis, um, even though actually Lauren had once offered to take him. That That's how far she went in trying to... She said, right, let's go and meet him together. Let's go and meet this person. And, of course, Lewis found a reason not to do that. Um, Breck uh, got into a taxi um, after he'd come back from Spain. He was staying with his dad. His mum and dad were split at that point. He got into a taxi that Lewis had booked for him that drove him the hour and a half to Lewis's home in Essex. Um, and at some point, he was there for quite some time because he called his dad from there and, and said he was going to be staying over the night. He had told his dad he was at a, a fr another friend's house from one of the gaming group, one of the friends from school that they all knew. And um, he sat and he uh, sort of played games or whatever he was doing with Lewis in the flat. He was there for some time. But then we know that at some point um, during that time that he was with him, um, things took a horrific, tragic turn and uh, it ended up with Lewis attacking and brutally murdering Breck. After Lewis had uh, killed Breck, um, he called the police himself in an ex quite an extraordinary move uh, because, again, trying to continue the manipulation that he had been uh, doing all the way along. He wanted to pretend that it had been an accidental death that he'd had a fight with his friend, that it had got out of control, that he'd accidentally killed him. He also made up all sorts of dreadful stuff about Breck being suicidal, Breck having a knife, Breck trying to attack Lewis, things that were just so crazy out of character. Um, and it became very clear when the police began their investigation that this was a pack of lies and that it had been a pre-planned murder all along from the evidence that they had. Um Everything that Lewis had told the boys was a complete lie. So he had lived alone in Essex in a flat. He had never left Essex. He had never been anywhere near New York. He certainly didn't have any money to splash around. He he certainly was skilled in tech, but he had been um, behind a computer screen creating an entirely fictional world to uh, catfish the boys, to, to groom the boys and to lead Breck to his death. Um, and because of that... Um, it, you know, the, the investigation then unfolded much more about Lewis, which is that he had, in fact, been, uh, he had been in trouble with the police before. He had attacked a boy at his school before. Um, and he had then hacked into the school computer in order to change that boy's testimony. So there were lots of dots that weren't joined up um, by the police. One of the things that happened in response to this, to the fact that the police made a mistake, is that um, they had to completely overhaul their procedure for when they deal with grooming crimes like this, the way they're reported. So there's a much stricter set of steps that they have to follow now, which is one good thing to have come out of Breck's um, terrible story. And the other good thing is the Breck Foundation, um, the fact that we are now able to go into schools, take Breck's story, deliver it in an age-appropriate way um, to children and young people, and get them to see a real-life example of where things can go wrong, even when parents are engaged, even when people really believe that they're doing the right thing or they've sussed everything out, um, you still have to be incredibly 
on your guard um, because there are so many ways people are, are tricking mm. um, each other on the web nowadays. Was there a sexual motive? There was some sexual activity between the two of them. In the grooming, uh, in in the, the sort of chats that they had as they went along, there don't seem to have been many sexual overtones at all. But there was definitely some sort of sexual activity between the two boys. Now, whether that was consensual or not, we don't know. Um, but there was evidence, yeah, of, of sexual activity between them in the flat. So even if there isn't that explicit, you, you know, because you may think that you could say to your child, be very aware, because this is what people groom you for. You know, they're trying to sexually abuse or exploit you. And you may see some red flags around them asking for pictures or the types of things that they say to you. Yeah. But it sounds like there was none of that leading up to no, it, what happened. There wasn't. I mean, there were the obvious, there were the red flags in... If he, I don't like to use the word common sense at all, but, you know, the fact that he was 17 and working for the FBI, the fact that he... And and there were lots of little telltale signs. But the thing is, factual information doesn't isn't necessarily what's going to convince someone. Once they've make up, made up their mind, this is my friend and he's great, just going, yeah, but that doesn't sound right and that doesn't sound right, it's not convincing to people. People have very strong beliefs. And when you've got a strong belief, just saying... You know, no, that's not right. That's that's that doesn't look. Does that really look right to you? Mm. It doesn't work. They don't want to believe that they could be wrong or that they could be tricked. And that's one of the the difficulties in sort of persuading children and young people to look again at the kind of interactions that they're having online and to spot when things are wrong. I mean, you pointed to it a second ago. Breck Foundation are doing incredible work. And when I put out uh, a post to say that you guys were coming to join me. Um, for the podcast and I asked for questions I got so many messages from police officers who said that Lauren had come and trained them mm. so police are now receiving training you yeah. know for the job that helps them to understand that if a parent is coming to you and saying this you can't just dismiss it and say yeah. take the phone away there's actually a lot more that, that you need to do and I, I got loads of messages from teachers as well yeah. who were saying that they'd also been trained by Breck Foundation and that it made a huge difference to their knowledge and understanding of, of the risks. What I really struggle with is this, this part where it's it's just so almost feels impossible to convince a teenager or a young person that you as the parent or you as the teacher are in fact correct about this absolute yeah. fucking weirdo they're talking yeah. to. But you can't make them see that. Yeah. It's that whole internet thing, isn't it? It's not in our generation to have those conversations online where life is online. It's a complete separate world now. Yeah. I got Facebook when I started university, first year of university. My life from university, that's all online. My life from then is online now. Mm -hmm. But day dot, children who are now going online, their childhood, everything is online. Yeah, they, they have no experience that. like us of like before social media and exactly. after. Yeah, No, and there's no off button. And that's one of the, the terrifying things is that, you know, when you were having difficulties at school, when we were kids, you came home and there was a safe place. And there isn't a safe place now because if you're having trouble online or things that are making you feeling uncomfortable, you've still got your computer or your tablet or your phone um, and it's still there. It's with you 24-7. So there's no off button. And that's a really difficult thing that I think impacts quite quite heavily on children. But one of the things that you were saying there about how difficult it is to get them to see, this is the power of the work that we do because we do have this tragic story at the core 
but because it's a real life story, it's incredibly relatable. So I've our work, the main amount of our work is, is in schools. But as you say, we do talk to um, police and, and a wide community as well and train them. But um, I've been in some a huge variety of schools, from tiny country schools to very tough, sort of big comprehensives in tough areas. And universally, when we tell backstory, you can hear a pin drop because they're listening, they're engaged. It's so powerful because they can see themselves in it and they can see there's a lot of points where they're like, well, yeah, I'd have done the same thing. And then it goes wrong. And so, and so there's a really important point during the presentations where they get to ask us questions or tell us what they think went wrong or what they might have done differently. And, and we try to encourage them to speak about what they're doing already to try and, and suss out who might not be who they're saying they are. Because whether they know it or not, they're already doing plenty online that is the beginning of a little bit of online safety. Like they'll all know about hackers. If you ask them about hackers, this is primary age I'm thinking about. Or they've all come across people who behave badly in games and they've learned how to deal with it. You block, you uh, report, you come out of the server and go back in again in a different part of the game where that person's not there. And we take that that sort of element of, of sort of self-protection that they already have and we try and empower them to use that more in a wider sense when they go out onto the, the into the wider internet, the wider online world, and take those lessons that they already know about and give them more tools so that they can spot things. Um, because ultimately, that's the answer. You know, there's so many interventions. There's, you know, talk of using AI to spot keywords that would be used in sexual grooming. Well, as Breck's story shows, it's not always a sexual grooming. Mm. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, the talk about the online safety bill and tech regulations, which is great and very welcome. But regulating is just a part of it. It's a multi-layered approach that's needed. And the the biggest, strongest part of that is education. If the young person is educated and they understand the signs to look out for and how to report things when they start going wrong or when they suspect something is not right, they carry that with them 24-7. Nothing else is with them 24-7, but that knowledge is. And that's our mission. That's why it's so important to us to be doing the work that we're doing. My thing as a teacher as well, on the curriculum, internet safety is only taught officially once a year. It's not something that is embedded properly into the curriculum at the moment. It's very like, we've got to tick this box once, whereas actually it should be little and often. Yeah. It's like yeah. we tell our kids when Absolutely. we go out, be careful when you go out, don't talk to strangers. It should be exactly the same as going online now. It should be, you're going online, yeah. watch who you're talking to, do you know who you're talking to? It's, it's the same theory now. We live in a different world. We have to be thinking this is the next step we have to be able to support long term. I, I think if I can just pick up on that, I think it's a really important thing that with schools, they often feel like they haven't got the time. Um, it, you know, they've got to do sort of, it, it, you know, it is statutory that they teach some online safety, but they have got one lesson, like Mark says. Yeah. It's not... I. <laughs> I hate the word online safety. I know it's a, it's a terrible thing to say about working for explanation, but I hate those words because they turn people straight off. Mm. People don't want to listen. If you walk, if a teacher ever introduces me and goes, this is Sarah from Brett Foundation, she's going to talk about online safety, I can see the shoulders drop <laughs> and the heads go down and they're like, yeah. oh. And then, and then you've got to start fighting another battle, yeah. right? And get, mm. But it's not. It's about, it's it's about everything. It's about empowerment, but it's about living our lives 
the lives we live online, how to live them well, it's about digital citizenship as well. It's like you not being an idiot online, you mm. not doing something awful online, um, you understanding how to, how to interact, how to work and being safe in that way. Um, and I always talk about online skills if I have to, like finding those skills, being a detective, being a hero, all those sorts of things that are much more empowering. Online safety, um, I try to just avoid that phrase because I think people get a little bit sick of it. Yeah, yeah. The delivery, how you deliver the information is yeah. so incredibly important. What you were saying, Mark, about the fact that it is, um, you know, just like they have one day for internet, uh, you, you know, I'm trying to avoid saying online safety now. For internet, internet training day or whatever. Um, but then actually, I think essentially the left, it, it, the rest is left down to parents yeah, to really try is. to educate children. And then the, the problem that you find with that is that everybody has different boundaries. Everybody has different levels of what is acceptable. I was, I'm thinking about a, a situation that I had fairly recently where my son was um, on a WhatsApp video call with a friend of his, a girl that he goes to school with. And I wasn't there, but he was with my sister and my brother-in-law. And they phoned me and they said, I'm not sure what's going on, but I've just seen him on a video call, let's call her Lucy, with Lucy. And there was an adult man in, in as a three-way in in the video uh and as soon as uh so my brother-in-law kind of saw the adult man put his head into so that he could be seen on the camera and was just like hi is everyone all right here reported it to me i spoke to my son who said it was a friend of lucy's um so then i contact lucy's parents and i'm like i, I really need to let you know that my son's 10 these two 10 year olds I said, I really need to let you know that my son and Lucy have been on this video call and there was an adult man in the chat. Uh, and that my, and my son has said that it's a friend of, of, of Lucy's. And the mum messaged back. She was like, oh, it's fine. We've just come back from holiday. And we met these guys on holiday. Um, they were doing like surf instruction for the kids. Uh, I said, well, how old is this man? She said, oh, he's 20, 21. I said, but why is he speaking to your daughter, your 10-year-old daughter on a, on a video chat? I don't understand. Because we made friends on holiday. It's perfectly innocent. Now, to me, no, that's just, I don't understand why any 20-year-old would want to have any type of conversation with a 10-year-old. I just don't understand it. When I was 20, I did not befriend 10-year-olds. That is not what happens. And... And, and meeting somebody on holiday and then exchanging details, I can see how that can feel like, you know, really innocent. But it doesn't take very long until he is secretly talking to her on video, secretly asking her to send pictures of her boobs or doesn't actually have any boobs or, you know, yeah. her genitals or whatever for him to then be able to blackmail her. But it was so interesting to me that, that our, our ideas about this were so different. To me, I'm like, this is dodgy. Who the hell are these men? get them off, block them. To her, it's like, no. The, the, you know, and, and she reacted quite badly to it. Um, she made some kind of snarky comment about, in future, when we're talking to family, friends, I'll make sure your son is nowhere near or something. Where I could just tell that she just wasn't, her head wasn't in the same place as me. And it began to make me question myself. It began to make me think, hang on, wait, is my threshold a bit of a mess because I've dealt with so much child protection that I'm just like on it, you know? Uh, it really made me question myself. And then I thought, no, no, it, it's her. 
but you you know, I guess we have this expectation that all parents are going to uh, be out here giving our kids the same kind of safety messages, but actually that's not We're the not. case. And I think from the beginning of that story, it was if the groomer is making you feel good. Mm. You've got that connection. We were on holiday together. He taught me something very similar to Brecht. They yeah. taught me something. And that's how a groomer, a groomer makes you feel good. Mm. They want that connection. They will find the weakness, yeah. which is maybe this young girl, Lucy, doesn't have that many friends back home. So it's literally the beginnings of so. And also grooming the parents, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they yeah, do that in plain sense. sight. I mean, Lauren they? talks about how she felt that Lewis was essentially grooming her as well to try and, you know, being the sort of charming um, chatty, you know, yeah, of course I'll talk to your mum and try and present this, you know, side of him that she so she would sort of back off, which of course she didn't. I mean, the thing I think the thing to say about that is first of all, um, we don't know. They could have been completely innocent, and they could also not be good at all. We simply don't know, and that is why you have to be critical. You have to be aware and you have to be alert to what the issues could be. And I think what you said there is absolutely bang on. What 20-year-old befriends a 10-year-old for completely innocent reasons? It isn't, it doesn't feel right. And if you go with your gut instinct, that's kind of what you have to do in a lot of these yeah. situations. Um, and we really push that as well at schools. If it doesn't feel quite right in your tummy when something's happening online, back away from it, turn it off. Um, and I think the other thing that's highlighted by all of that, I mean, you talked about the different uh, sort of levels of expectation, the different levels of concern or care that parents will give. We're at, at the sort of beginning of this. We're sort of leading the vanguard here. We've never had to do this before. There's no one beyond us or ahead of us to tell us this is how it worked. We're doing this for the first time. We're parenting parenting the digital generation. Mm. We are trying to work out where those boundaries lies. It, it's tough. There isn't a guidebook here. And that's one of the most difficult things. And, and we Obviously, we talk to parents as well, and we get that time and time again of, of parents saying, but I don't know, am I overstepping a boundary here? Am I, what should I do? Are we going to end up arguing all the time because I've, you know, taken this away or asked to have access to this? Or And, and it is very difficult. Um, it, we're sort of paving the way. And so, yeah, you have to give yourself a break as well mm -hmm. for, for trying your best and, and looking after your children. It, it, it's tough. It feels like kind of a quite scary and impossible situation it, it feels like something that um you know you can talk and talk and talk until the cows come home but as a parent you're held with such less importance than the cool people at school or the great person that you're speaking to online it's very you know even if I think all of us can probably imagine ourselves as young people I, I thought my mom was a fucking idiot I <laughs> really thought she had just landed in in on the earth as a 40 year old and that's all she knew was middle age and that she had no idea um about anything and that she couldn't tell me anything because she was just nowhere near as cool enough as any of these people who were giving me all this wonderful attention you know there was nothing my mum could have said or done. And I think that that thought makes me feel incredibly powerless. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's it's true. It's There's a, a problem as young people get older and older that their, their relations with their peers are more important. There's a point where they switch over and they're less influenced by their parents, more influenced by their peers. 
Well, sorry, I actually read a study the other day that said that when you turn 13, so apparently like biologically evolution uh, means that your mum's voice uh, sounds incredibly soothing to you from the ages of naught to 13. It actually has like a really powerful effect on keeping you calm and it sounds a certain way. And then when you turn 13, your mum's voice genuinely begins to sound like this <laughs> like so whatever they're saying even if they're like i love you you're amazing it's it starts to take on a quality that becomes unbearable um wow there's a gap yeah. in the market there for someone to develop a bit of tech that allows us to still sound <laughs> soothing and authoritative yeah i know i mean I, I, yeah uh, it, it is difficult one one of the key things i think that we always emphasize with parents about trying to get this connection uh, with young people, is is building a positive baseline um, around uh, your interactions around uh, everything, but particularly online stuff. So I think I know certainly as a parent that I tend to um, be quite negative about my sons. I have two sons, a 17-year-old and, and a nine-year-old, and I tend to be quite negative about how they are spending their time online. So everything from, why are you watching people playing games on YouTube. Why don't you just play the game? Why are you endlessly scrolling? Why don't you pick one thing and watch it and then go outside? Like just, you know, stuff that we all say, you know, how long have you been on that screen? All the kind of, and it builds up a negative impression in the young person that their time, their digital lives, their time online is not worth very much to you. And so if they then come across a problem, they're much less likely to come and talk to you as a parent. They're going to, they're going to go, I'm going to deal with that myself or might go and talk to my friend or might not say anything at all. Just push it, put it in a box, move on. And what we want is not that. Mm, <laughs> we want yeah. the opposite. We want them to be able to come, even if it's not a parent, to a trusted adult that they know, that they feel that are uh, actually this is one of those things that I might need to speak up about. I know who to go to. Yeah. And, and that's what we want. And if you've nurtured that positive connection, so if your kid likes games, go and play a game with them. Sit down with them, um, you know, ask to play Minecraft or Roblox or whatever it is. Be rubbish at it. Let them beat you, although they'll probably beat you anyway because they, they're very good at that from a very early age. Um, if they like watching YouTubers, find out who their favourite YouTuber is. Ask them questions about it. Be connected. Be in the moment with them so that so that they start to build a positive picture of, okay, maybe mum's not going to fly off the handle when I tell her that this has happened. Because that is is like a building block for the future. That's setting mm, the, the yeah. groundwork there. Um, basically, when we're delivering this, we basically say we will take anything you say with no judgment. You literally have to sit and be ready for all hell to break loose when you deliver this because it does it triggers things in students and they might think it, to you it might be the smallest thing, but to them it's the biggest moment of their life that they've spoken about. They've seen this nudie picture. But that you need to just embrace that and not go hell for leather when you walk into it because yeah. it's that's a big thing for them that's their lives that their yeah. whole life as at the moment some of the students that i work with their online life is better than their yeah, actual yeah, home yeah. life yeah so you degrading that life it just comes Such back twofold important point I, I i just want to make it clear that so as i said at the beginning some people have sent in questions so we're now moving on to those followers uh questions and uh this fits in really nicely with what we're talking about which is somebody asked how do you establish a relationship with your child where they feel safe to confide in you 
And my first thought when I read that was that actually, if you haven't done that and by the time they're 15, 14, 12, whenever they're getting into gaming, you're probably a, a little bit off the mark. And actually, I, I wish we could talk to all non-parents, people who intend to become parents to say, this has to happen from zero. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's how you have the best chance of, of fostering a really comfortable, open it's relationship that, with your children. It's that thing of parent, uh, children watching their parents and how they work with the online world now. They will copy what you're doing. Uh, so I've got two young daughters and I'm very aware that my job on uh, takes me a lot of time on social media now. And my daughter of five is now asking to make reels and post stories, make sure that you capture this moment. It's like, okay, that's literally translated from what I'm saying. But in equally, I've got that influence that I can say, but I'm being careful what I put online. I'm watching who I'm talking to. I'm, it's having that early conversations possible to build those relationships up. Um, being a teacher, and you're talking about coming in later on into those lives, like I will get students and I'll have them for only two years. It's really important just to believe everything they are saying. Just be that ear to listen. Just be aware that they might be having these issues online and they just want that one person to believe what they're saying. So just be that ear to listen to mm. and just finding a safe space for them as well. And it could be anywhere. Um, I think one of the questions that came up as well was um, about how and when to have these conversations. Actually, the car is one of the best times to have a conversation. You've got a captive audience. You can say, can we just switch your phone off for a second? We're just going for a drive for an hour, half an hour. They, You've got their attention. So use times like that. Because I, I was thinking if you did it in their bedroom, that's their space. That's usually where computers are. If there's still that anger if anything's gone wrong. If you're in a car or mm. completely away from the situation somewhere in public, yeah. it doesn't become a you're in my territory type thing. Yeah. I think also, um, you know, certainly with my boys doing something at the same time, like being in the car, but also playing a game of pool or, you know, being on a hike somewhere where you're not solely sitting down to focus on that subject. You're just, it's a kind of casual conversation. Um, there's lots of lots of ways of, of beginning. I mean, I know this question was more about establishing that, that, that trusting, caring uh, relationship. Um, I think be open and be honest. Tell them you don't have all the answers. Tell them that, you know, this is scary for you as well and that you feel a bit awkward talking to them about it. Mm. But what do they know? And find out what they know. When you start these conversations, find out what they know first. What do you think about um, whatever the particular thing is that you want to talk to them about? Um, there's a whole, we have a whole uh, ream of conversation starters that are on our website, which we've got a few of them here, which are really good ways of beginning conversations around these kind of topics that aren't immediately putting the kid on the spot they don't feel like they're suddenly being you know about to have a, a sort of interrogation um and just little and often i think coming back to it every now and again yeah, not definitely. making a big dun 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 out yeah. of every set like it's every an ongoing narrative in yeah. your household yeah I, I actually showed my son i actually sat and watched the documentary the murder games about breck with him and i was a little bit nervous at first because he is 10 um he's the youngest in his year so he's you know he should be 11 he's about to go to secondary school but he's obviously 10 but he is playing Fortnite. he is playing a few things again which was a massive battle for me about do I allow him to do that and all my instincts sort of said no but then there was this element of 
all the boys in his class were on Fortnite. And then you don't want to be your child to be the only one who doesn't get the references, the only one who's not joined in in those things, which is awful because I'm then succumbing to this peer pressure about inclusion and all that sort yeah. of stuff. But anyway, so he's on those forums. And so I thought, well, if he's old enough to be on them, then he's old enough to know what the dangers are. And he's yeah. old enough to watch the documentary, which actually has been done in a way that really appeals to young people, I think. And he was absolutely... It didn't scare him. It didn't upset him. But he was, I think it was the first time when he it really helped him to understand that who you're speaking to might not be who they say they are. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I would really advise watching that with your young people. I think it's really important. But if you don't feel, maybe watch it first yourself yeah. before you watch it with your yeah, child. I mean, there's, there's several things. There's Murder Games, which is the, the BBC documentary, which I know is available at the moment on uh, BBC, on BBC I Play. Um, it won't always be up there, but we're hoping that we're going to be able to have it as a as a downloadable or watchable from our website. We're having our, our website redesigned at the moment. That's one of the things we were actually talking about yesterday is having it there. We also have um, a video resource called Breck's Last Game. Now, this is something that parents should watch first before they decide whether it's suitable to show their child. Um, we use it in secondary schools. If it was a cinema, it would be rated 15, but it's for a parent to decide. I mean, personally, when I watch it, I think, well, they watch worse than that before breakfast yeah, every day. But we would we have to put that out there as a, as a clear warning. It's It would be rated 15. It's not gory. It's there's nothing in it that is distressing. The the version that's on on YouTube, that's where you can find it. Um, but it in, it has sort of impending peril about it, and and I think that's why it got that rating. But that is a really good way if you're trying to get your young person to really understand what the issues are here. Watching Breck's Last Game really drives it home because it's done in a very cool sort of cinemari techie sort of way and it, it looks like their lives it's quite gamery um but it also highlights how it happened and the, and and it, it's it's very powerful i would recommend a parent to go and look at that you know i think the other thing that i find is um i mean there's two things that i think are really important about fostering that relationship that opens the the door for them to feel safe to confide in you and one is being truthful about your own experiences. So um, I, I remember speaking to my son about a time that I was catfished on online dating. Um, and and it, 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 it was so much easier for him to relate to that rather than me going, there's these people and you might not know who they are and this kind of like imaginary situation. When I said to him, you know, I was talking to this guy for ages and I really liked him. I actually sent this guy a picture of my tits, to be honest. I didn't tell my son that part. <laughs> but, you know, I, it, it, it's letting my son know that I was, I'm this savvy person. I'm on social media. Um, and I still made that mistake. Yeah, and absolutely. I still got groomed. And, and some, you know, that, it, that would have been a terrible situation that, that he could have used to blackmail me or whatever. And, and it really hit my son that it was like, okay, you're not just preaching at me. You're, you're talking about this from from yeah, experience. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we teach when we ask, we ask the young people we're talking to, give us a definition of grooming. What do you think grooming is? And one of the things I always really emphasize is that grooming is a kind of trick. And there are multiple tricks that are played online every day and everyone is vulnerable to them. Adults get tricked every single day online. People get fished. People get malware in their computer because they clicked a link that they mm. shouldn't have done. People do things without thinking. So if adults can get tricked, 
anyone, any child or young person can get tricked as well. And it's not because you're not smart and it's not because, you know, you. it's just something that happens because there are people out there who are focused mm. on causing harm. And, yeah. and, and that's a, a really key thing, not to see it as a, a badge of honour. I'm never going to get tricked. I'm, you know, it's we're all vulnerable to it, you know, to some degree or another. So I think that's quite an important one. It's a really good thing to share an experience like that. Yeah, and I think it's so important as well to, to, to start from the very beginning with a real open attitude about sex in your household. Like yeah, if they I ask agree. the question... My son asked me the other day, what's a blowjob? In fact, he asked me last night, what's a threesome? And I was just like, I'm fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Um, but but I, if you're if they're asking the question, you give them the answer. Yeah. You know, yeah, obviously you don't give the explicit, well, she might sit on his face while he does that. But, but like, tell them it's two people, three people who love each other very much, or maybe don't, you know. Um, but be honest, if they're asking the question, they need to know the answer. Uh, and they also need to know that you're not going to freak out because oftentimes um, online grooming will, will take the form of, send me a picture of you wanking or send me this and then they've got this and they will threaten to send it to the parents or they'll threaten to send it to the school um and if your young person feels like i'm gonna get in so much trouble for sending this picture of my penis or my boobs they're not going to come to you you have to have an environment where they feel like my parent is not going to freak out about that I mean, absolutely. And this is that. So what you just described there is sextortion. And this is something that is massively on the rise since lockdown. So this is essentially groomers persuading young people to send pictures of themselves, um, sexual images of themselves, and then blackmailing them for more. And so we do incorporate this idea into all of our talks, um, even at primary level. But we obviously we're quite careful with um, how we talk about it. But saying, you know, what happens if you send someone a picture? How can you get that picture back? And getting them to go through all the different ways they think they might get a picture back and then realising that they can't get it back and that some sort of copy of that picture is out there forever and you lose control. You send a picture to someone, doesn't matter if it's your friend in real life, if it's something you would be embarrassed about in the future, you can't control what might happen to it. They might share it to a WhatsApp group. That might then get shared by someone else. And, and sort of trying to explain that viral nature of what happens to a picture at a really young age is so important because the Internet Watch Foundation last year reported that, um, I mean, amid the massive surge of um, sexual imagery of younger children, um, 80%, I think it was 80%, possibly 66%, I need to, I need to look that up, um, of the images that they were removing. So their work is to take down uh, child abuse images. And huge majority of them were self-generated. So yeah. that is a young person in their bedroom with a webcam or a phone being persuaded by a predator online to take the picture and send it. Um, and that includes some of the worst category ones, some sort of self-penetration, that kind of thing. Um, and they are out there happening. That's also getting siblings involved, sibling abuse going on within those situations. Um, and if if they don't understand how, if, if you don't talk to them, obviously not in that level of detail, but if you don't talk about how dangerous that one pick can be because it's never just one pick mm. then they won't get it and they'll fall into that situation so yeah, about 80 percent of my safeguarding work at school is to do with yeah. online social media pornographic images now like that's daily we are picking up on stuff like that yeah and that's one school so the thought of that going on around the thousands thousands of schools mm. is just and, horrifying. And when it happens, it's the worst feeling for that young person. Mm. They are trapped. 
terrified. They feel stupid, embarrassed. They don't know who to talk to. And I always say when I'm talking to them, look, I know it's easy for me to stand up here and go, go and tell a trusted adult. I get how difficult that Mm. is and how embarrassing. There's a brilliant service called Report Remove, um, which is set up by Internet Watch Foundation and NSPCC, which allows a young person or anyone at all, but a young person is the sort of intended audience to go and report that they've got into that situation, that their nude selfies have sneaked out online, basically. And they will strive very hard to get those those pictures back again. And it's particularly brilliant because the young person doesn't have to involve a what's, part of their what's family. What's that service called? It's called Report Remove. Report so you just put remove. that into a, into a search engine um, and uh, look for and Report Remove and up. it comes up really quickly and you can make a report straight away. It's such a good point that you make about, you know, we're like... Oh, go and talk to a trusted adult. I've got loads of trusted adults in my life. I would find it still very difficult to say, Mm. you know what, I really fucked up last night. I sent a picture of my labia to some random guy. You know, I would feel really... And I've got so much confidence in talking about these things. Um, There's a piece of training that we do uh, as as social workers where we get people to imagine that um, you're you're telling... You you know, if, if, if I said to you... As, as a group of adults, t- tell me about uh, a sexual experience you've had in the last year or so. You know, even if that was a really positive sexual experience where you had the time of your life, me sitting here and saying, go on, tell me, tell me about that sexual experience. You're going to be like, oh. And then if I have to say to you, tell me about an extremely traumatic sexual experience that went horribly wrong for you and that felt awful. I mean, that's that's 10 times that. But yet we're asking young people to just come on, tell anyone, yeah. tell someone when this terrible thing happens to you that, that, that even ourselves would be completely humiliated and trapped by. Yeah. Coming in with that non-judgment thing, but yeah. equally not being British about sex anymore yes. yeah. and actually being very open about talking about sex and also... Uh, male and females talking about sex more yeah I, th- I think it, as a male teacher the boys really listen to what I'm saying like we, I've had loads of sex ed conversations over the years but yes it can be embarrassing for you but you have to overthink that student has come to me at that moment wanting yeah. to know yeah they, there is a reason they trust me to answer this Absolutely. question. It's a huge yeah. responsibility, really yeah. important. One of the questions, which I find this is such an interesting question, I think, which is that where is the line between privacy and safety? She said, I don't want to monitor my daughter's messages, but I want to know if there's anything that I need to know. I think this is a struggle for all parents, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I think it's a huge struggle. And uh, I mean, it just immediately makes me think about my own child. And, and I did look at his messages for a while. And there were a couple of occasions when it, it, there wasn't anything serious there, but it was I was taken aback by who he was when he was with his friends as opposed to me. Now, you, we know this as parents. We know they're different. But seeing the language, seeing the some of the interactions, and it was strange. At that point, I put the phone down and I thought, actually, I don't really want to look at this anymore because I there's a level of trust there which we had built up where I felt that if something was going wrong, he would come to me. But I thought I don't want to. In- it felt intrusive all of a sudden to be looking at, and he kn- he knew I would be looking at his phone, um, but he sort of hadn't hidden that side of it, and it suddenly just didn't feel quite right. And I never looked again after that. Um, but we do have, I mean, partly because of the line of work that I'm in, we do have regular conversations about these sorts of things. And I think, I think you you'll have a grasp as a parent as things go on. You know, this it's a bit of give and take. So, for example, 
I can still see where he is. He's we in our family. We're all on phones where we can see where where we all are. He can see where I am as well, and I can still see that. Now I'm sure at some point he's going to ask me to switch that off. He's 17, um, but I don't. I wouldn't look at his messages. I wouldn't interfere with what he's doing online anymore. But I do like to see where he is. Like, and and that's because because I've respected some of those boundaries. I've picked my battles. I've chosen, can I have this one still, please? Because I want to know. And there's other things like when he comes back late at night, I want to know, I want to text to say he's home because mm. I'll probably be first asleep. So some you can go for and some you can't. And you have to kind of pick. You can't go all in and be all consuming and try and stop them from experiencing things online because they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. There is some really amazing apps out there that if you want to be monitoring, I'm not saying... You have to, uh, but there's like an app called Bark because I work in an SAN school and obviously their mindset is a lot lower than what they actually are. So I might have a 16-year-old who actually has got the mindset of a seven-year-old. So parents need to be able to see what's sort of going on. And like you get apps where they can monitor where you are, but also keywords that you want to come up as well. Uh, I've recommended Bark a few times. That's one of the best ones I've seen if you want to... Because I, I guess there is, it's, it's really important for us. You know, our job as parents is to shape these people into independent beings who yeah. can function in the world without us. And and there is that real temptation to to watch everything they do. And I think that when they're primary school age, I think that you should be, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they deserve that much privacy, actually, at prior, not deserve. They have a right to privacy at primary school age, but they are... They, they don't have the skills to, to, to use it effectively. No, exactly. I think when they're going to secondary school and you're trusting them to walk to and from places by themselves and go to shops and stuff by themselves, they deserve that privacy. Yeah. And we should trust them with that because that is part of... We can't monitor everything. And I think if you're monitoring messages, you end up starting to get involved in like silly, petty WhatsApp arguments mm. and stuff. Tell her she shouldn't have said that. When actually, that's their stuff to work out. Yeah. It's, 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 you know kids behavior but it's not anything that's necessarily going to end up it's the education to the when that whatsapp goes wrong yeah that they will come to you they will block they will report yeah that's that's what you should be saying i'm yeah. trusting you to go onto this app exactly. yeah but if something goes wrong yeah. you will come to me you will take a um screenshot you will tell me so we can get it sorted yeah, yeah. absolutely it's, 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 it's all about trust. trust it totally is the trust and and to get that it requires them to be active as well so if they do something wrong if they screw up or break your trust, then they're going to have to earn it back again. Yeah, and you know, the, and and I'm thinking particularly my son again. You know, that did happen a couple of times, and we talked it through, and we I sort of tightened the boundaries a little bit at that point, not massively, but a little bit, and then gradually relaxed them as I saw that he was making an effort, mm. and he did get where he'd overstepped the boundaries and, and done something wrong. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's like all of parenting, isn't it? It's a constant to it's and fro, hard, and isn't yeah. It? And the, and just as you think you sorted it out, they get a little bit older and it all changes again, yeah. all the rules. So, yeah. so if you're not monitoring their messages and you're not seeing what they're doing online and you're not aware that anything is going on at all, I mean, we, we, we've seen some of the big red flags from what happened with mm. Breck, which is like that isolation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking of what are the signs that we yeah. need to look out for that we're not seeing on their phones. So obviously... A change in their friendship groups? Change in friendship groups is a big one. So yeah. um, so that is part of the isolating technique. But if they suddenly start dropping interests and hobbies, if they suddenly don't want to do the after-school clubs anymore that they used to really do, if they're not hanging out with the same people, 
that's a sign. That's that's something that could could make you perhaps have a little red flag in your head. Um, if they seem to have um, a, a change in personality, so quite a sudden change, perhaps they've always been quite bubbly and outgoing and now they're a bit withdrawn, or they become defiant. Breck became defiant. He'd always been, been an easygoing guy. He became defiant saying, I'm not clearing up. I'm not going to take GCSEs. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. It could be anxiety. It could be withdrawal. It just something that suddenly doesn't seem like their normal selves, a change in behavior. You may come across gifts. Yeah. Um, so uh, groomers nearly always use some kind of gift. And it's important to be aware these could be virtual. So they might be free game passes or V-Bucks or Robux, which are the sort of coin currency for different games. Um, if, if a child, you know, it's a simple technique, but a groomer will use it. Give lots of gifts. The child's going to like me. And so we teach, again, to the young people as well as the parents, but particularly the young people, if someone you don't know is giving you lots of free stuff, ask yourself why. You know, put that critical hat on. Try and figure out because if something seems too good to be true, it probably is, and we push that phrase there a lot. There was a recent one where a groomer was using followers, so he'd set up hundreds of accounts and then was grooming into that person and then followed that person on their Instagram account. Mm. So this person wanted to be an Instagram star, suddenly had 200 extra followers, right. but it was one person. Right. So it's another another technique is the followers, yeah. it's the likes and all that. Yeah. Um, they also, um, a groomer will nearly always ask a young person to keep the relationship a secret. So we flag up, if this is a normal, healthy relationship, why would you be asked? to keep it a secret that that's a really clear sign um sexualized behavior so if if a young i mean obviously children will develop at a different rate but if they suddenly start using language that they've not used before or they've got provocative behavior that they've not had before that's another sign that something is not quite right here um and that you know it any one of these on their own might not be a sign of grooming but when you start to see a group of them together mm. when they actually start to be really kind of um you know prevalent in your house that's the time to speak up and act and that some sort of intervention is needed it's the puzzle piece thing isn't it is one small thing from one area can build up to a much bigger picture of what's going on and equally that person behind that they might it might be they've done one thing to your child but like with lewis he'd done something else yeah it could be that you could be that final puzzle piece to actually get that person put away or blocked or taken off um, mm. the social media sites. Yeah. yeah. And if you aren't tech savvy yourself, I mean, this is the, one of the questions. How can you keep an eye on kids gaming and on online activity? And I don't mean that in the kind of like privacy set, like, but if you're not tech savvy yourself and you don't know how any of these things work, I mean, I, I actually think the answer to this really is, well, but get a bit tech savvy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, I was exactly Just about to say in, that. Yeah. You know, take 10 minutes, go and look. What's their favourite game? Go and watch it on YouTube. You'll find someone very easily who's playing that game. Mm. And it's the same thing you would do if your kid was asking for a game that was much, much older than their age, hopefully. Go away and research it. Look mm. at it. What What is it that makes it a 16? Why is it rated like that? Is that going to be bad for your child or can your child handle that? You know your child best. You can make that decision, but you have to put a bit of effort into it just to be able to understand yeah, that. Playing the fool is a real yeah. magic trick in any teaching. So if you play completely dumb that I don't have a clue what I'm doing, mm. oh, they will teach me. Yeah. You teach me what I need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually you'll learn the tricks of the trade from them. And they can say, oh, don't follow this person because they're like this. And then you can open those conversations. Oh, yeah. why can't I talk to that person? Yeah. 
there's the play I do it all the school. I can get away with playing dumb all the time. Um, but that is a really good learning technique is they teach you how yeah. to, and it can be absolutely anything. TikToks, oh, let's make a TikTok. How does this work? How do I get all these likes and stuff? You'll suddenly find out that they can teach you very quickly. Yeah. And then actually you're developing that relationship that we were talking about. Very, you're developing that relationship to support them and say, oh, if something goes wrong, come tell me. Oh, I've made this real with you today. Let's come back to me if something goes wrong with it. Mm. Or if anything happens, just come back and tell me. I, I actually think that parents should get all the apps. Yeah. I, I think that you should have Snapchat, TikTok, yeah. Instagram, whatever it is that they're using. The next one that comes out, get it. Like my my, I mean, we've all got Instagram, but for example, my friend um, a couple of years ago, so her daughter is constantly, you know, filming herself doing Instagram stories. Or, or, or my, my my friend was like, "This is so strange." Like I'm I'm following my daughter on Instagram. And I, I, she, I keep seeing her doing what looks like Instagram stories, but then I, when I watch it, she hasn't done a, a story. And I'm like, babe, like she's either hidden you from her stories or she's doing these all on close friends and you're not on there. Um, and so my friend then spoke to her daughter and it turned out she had been blocked from her daughter's stories. Um, but it, if my friend had been more knowledgeable about Instagram, she'd have just yeah. known that, you know. And, and so I, many I, have two accounts as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the sort of the spam account, as they call it. And Get the, on yeah. these things so that you know the app so well that they can't pull the wool over your eyes because you're just like, no, that's not how this app works, darling, you know. But equally, you're then seeing the world that they're seeing as well. Yeah. Um, well, like, uh, I've recently joined TikTok basically to promote what I'm doing in my job. But going through my feed all I seem to get is softcore porn mm. and all I've ever done is go on send up a picture of some books you probably shouldn't admit that you know because TikTok's algorithms are really good <laughs> oh, oh there we go <laughs> I was about to say you know beware the algorithm beware of thinking that just because you're on uh, whatever you're on on TikTok or on, on anything that you're getting the same feed as yeah. someone else because it, it's you know it we all know it, that we're it? in our own bubbles now you know but the, it really does tailor it and the moment you pause you know, when you're scrolling a feed or you look at something or woe betide, you click into it, you are then telling the algorithm, oh, you're interested in this. Okay, yeah. I'll feed you more of that, but a little bit more extreme. So you start to sort of head off that way and maybe someone else is heading off that way. So you're not going to see the same same sort of things. Um, I wanted to flag up a couple of websites because the original question was about um, about sort of being not being tech savvy mm. um, and, or game savvy. Internetmatters.org, um, brilliant website, really clear guides um, to everything from, um, you know, how to set the controls on the Xbox to um, to general stuff about online safety and, and a deeper dive into a lot of the sorts of issues we've been talking about here. And they've got some quite good resources on SEN um, as well at the moment that's just come out. I think that that's just sorry to stop you there, but I think, actually, you know, I'm a parent of a neurodivergent child Um and obviously the way that he relates to people and his experiences of friendship um, are going to differ from from your average non-neurodivergent child. I think it's really important to say that all children are equally vulnerable uh, to grooming and sexual exploitation online. But of course, the, 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 you know, having special educational needs makes it more is going to yeah. make you more, more, more vulnerable and it's going to make it harder 
it's, it's very hard sometimes to get him to understand certain concepts or to get him to relate to certain things that I'm talking about. So it is really challenging. And and perhaps, it, like you said, if you do have a neurodivergent child or a child with additional needs, then maybe you might want to change, you, you know, set boundaries differently on what yeah. they're able to play on online or set parental controls differently online and maybe monitor a little bit more than you would with a, a, a ch- an average child of 16 or 15. That's or how I became involved in the Brett Foundation because I'm an SEN, SEN teacher and I felt when I had the first presentation years ago, it didn't fit quite right on how we would explain things to SEN teachers. So I went away and created some resources for parents and teachers, um, basically breaking down Breck stories into different levels. So we've got, this is Breck, which um, is from 4+, plus, um, but literally is the very basic version of the story. There's no emotions attached to it. It is, this happened, this happened, this happened. How can we solve it? Mm. Um, and then we made a middle range one from 8+, plus, which is called This is Breck, which is basically takes the impossible idea of it and the gaming idea. So we start off with a fairy tale, flip it into the real story of Breck. Um, That's Breck and the Online Troll. That one, yeah, sorry, what did yeah, I say? You said this is Breck again. It's oh, Breck, and the, yeah. Breck and the Online Troll, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> um, and that's for 8+. Plus. And both those books come with um, six-week scheme of work with it. So a parent could pick that up and go, right, this is the conversations I'm going to have with my child. This is how I'm going to break it down over the six weeks. I'm not going to go hell for leather. This is all what happened. It breaks down those conversations that you can have with your child. Um, we've also got two plays. We've got a GCSE play uh, by Mark Wheeler and Play Virtual Live Real, which is an assembly play. So if there's any teachers out there, drama teachers, it's 15 minutes, but it gives students the ownership of the Breck story and empowers them that they are teaching other people. Oh, that's brilliant. One of the things we found as well through um, through plays, particularly in drama, with, with the, the other play that Mark mentioned there with Game Over, is that... Um, the students are so immersed in it that we inadvertently created almost these ambassadors for Breck's story. Yeah. You know, the the level of, um, sort of sophistication yeah. as well that they could talk about the online world and grooming and Breck's story and what happened to him after putting on uh, these plays is is quite extraordinary. And then they they continue that they're ambassadors for it. They continue talking to their peer groups and to younger children. And and that's a really powerful thing that we... Massively, massively yeah, empowering. Fantastic. I've seen that and with my SEN kids is that they take pride in going, this is to like the year sevens, so to teach year tens and elevens. They go to the year sevens and go, this is my play about online safety. Mm. Look what I've done. Look how I've succeeded. But I don't want this to happen to you. Yeah. So what was wrong with it? And on top of that, we also created three songs as well. So... We tried to cover all bases of learning, people yeah. learning. Um, so we've got um, a song written about Breck and how wonderful the internet is um, that transforms into Lewis's song about grooming and the feelings about grooming. The worst thing I've ever had to write in my life. Mm. But when we've had conversation, people are like, I do not want to be that person. I do not want to meet that person. It really works. And then we created a song from interviews and um, conversations I had with Lauren about the regrets she had. Mm. So they're all there and it's 
just building Such all those good resources and can people donate to you guys to keep you going yeah absolutely um we uh, have a website breckfoundation.org and you can come and donate there um you can donate at all different levels um if there's any corporate people listening you can come along and sponsor some of our projects we've got massive plans in the pipeline um for educational projects um and wider than that as well so um please do uh, come and donate to us um it's very easy to find on our on our website which is breckfoundation.org perfect um i think i interrupted you with my neurodivergency uh statement you were giving some resources so you said the yes. internet so internetmatters.org um so we're not affiliated but they are we we have very similar aims and and you know we're part of the the sector that's dealing with uh, online safety so um all oh, there you go i said it myself um <laughs> so they're brilliant uh, really really good clear resources for parents um, there's also Parent Zone, which is a really useful uh, website, um, which gives uh, fantastic resources for parents dealing with digital safety. Um, but the one of my favourites um, that you may not have come across is called TamingGaming.com. And it's written by a games journalist. And he's written this phenomenal database of games from throughout the ages, um, all sorts of little indie games. Um, and he's created it so that um, it's very useful for parents. If you, you can obviously go in and just look up a particular game. If you don't really know anything about Fortnite, go and look it up. It will tell you everything you need to know. There'll be a little clip. You can understand the issues. He highlights what the issues might be for children. Obviously gives its Peggy rating. But one of the really useful things about it is that it also gives suggested alternatives. So if your child is nagging, nagging, nagging for this game, whatever it may be, and you aren't keen that they have it. You think, no, I, I don't actually want you to have that. Here's an alternative. Here's a different game. It's Splatoon. It's it's a much easier rated mm -hmm. game. It's got the same excitement, the same adrenaline, but it's not got a lot of the issues that you might have about Fortnite. And it also has a really good um, database where you can put in your very specific requirements. So if, for example, your child struggles with certain uh, balance issues or colours or whatever, you can put that into the database. And he's done it so it will recommend games that will help. You can also look up for games that are um, help with mental health or help with literacy or help with um, various different aspects. Like if a, if a child is grieving, if they're, if they're bereaved, games that will help them work through those Brilliant. emotions. So it's an absolutely superb resource and I really recommend it. Excellent. And so, I mean, basically, if we suspect that our child is being groomed or a child that we're working with, we shouldn't hesitate to call the police. And if the police give us the same kind of response that Lauren get, got, which was throw away the tech and just if nothing's happened, there's nothing we can do, that's not the right response now. And police forces should have caught up to that. And if that is the response that you get, you need to demand better. Yeah. So police obviously will, in an emergency, will obviously know uh, to contact them. But also there's CEOP, um, who are the online police, CEOP. So you can go and make a report on the CEOP website and they deal specifically with child sexual exploitation and abuse online. Um, and the child protection officer um, will deal yeah, with those. There are social workers on those lines, aren't there? So uh, the other thing is that it's not always sexual exploitation. It might be radicalisation. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's really important to read uh, Laura Bates, Men Who Hate Women, talks a lot about the online gaming community and how they will radicalise yeah. young men, particularly into uh, incel culture yeah. and misogyny. Actually, the sexual stuff, it's, it's a recent NSPCC report showed that 
at uh, sexual grooming online, 84% of the time it's girls who are being groomed. And when it's radicalization, I can't remember what it was, 70% of the time it was boys. So there are, so everybody is vulnerable potentially, yeah. Yeah. but your gender may affect what you're vulnerable to. Yeah, but absolutely. It doesn't mean that because you're a boy, you're not vulnerable to, to sexual exploitation. Absolutely. And also, I think that's a really valid point that grooming is not just about sexual grooming um, or in you know obviously Breck's case the tragic ending tragically murder but there are various different outcomes of grooming so there is a radicalization there's also the county lines gangs mm. with the, the drugs um, they CCE use, we call that yeah uh, so they, they use child criminal exploitation yeah, yeah and they use Instagram almost exclusively now mm. to uh, sort of create lifestyle accounts that they lure young people to um you know, radicalization, as you mentioned, um, and the, the sort of the sextortion side of thing, which comes back to uh, the sexual abuse side. But, you know, there are various different outcomes, none of which are going to be good for any of our yeah. young people. But those signs of grooming that I talked about earlier are going to be visible in all those different cases. It doesn't really matter what the outcome is. At some point, you will start to see those A signs in your young, in person. young person. Um, and so that's why it's really helpful to have those grooming signs in your head. Absolutely. So thank you so much. There's a lot more that we could have said. Um, <laughs> And it just went incredibly quickly. Uh, your organisation is fantastic. Um, please send my love to Lauren uh, and to Breck's dad. Um, if if you have a bit of spare cash and you can donate it, please think about the Breck Foundation being somewhere that you you, you shove some of that cash because I think this is it's 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 going to get more and more important that we are on this and that we are educating young people. And as you say, this is so new. Yeah, there's going to be more for us to learn. There's going to be more informa information for you guys to give out and. Uh, so it's incredibly vital and thank you so much for thank doing you. it and no can I also say if you're an educator please um, come and have a look at our website and book us to come into your school we do all ages um, we can go all over the place because we do online um, presentations as well so geography we also, is no barrier we also do SEND workshops as well Brilliant. so it's not just mainstream we can um, basically tailor make what we can teach your children excellent amazing and that's www.breckfoundation.org Amazing. And we're on all social media sites as well. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Follow us, please. Come Breck Foundation. Us. Yeah, yeah. on all social media. Yeah. For real. Thank you so much. Bye.